The Buyback Podcast takes place in a bar. If you aren't old enough to be in the bar, you're probably not old enough to be listening to the content in this podcast. For the rest of you degenerates, pour yourself a drink, sit back, and let's get this party started. The Buyback. Yeah, baby! Oh, man. How are ya? I'm good. Oh, uh, who are we? Steven. Oh, okay. Let's start that again. Okay. I like your how are you, though. I'm good. How are you? No. Okay, let me try that again. How are you? My name is John. And I'm Alex. And it's a pleasure to be here with you this evening. Today, we are talking about the best. Of the best. Of the best. Uh, yeah, so we're talking to our friend Steven today. Um... Steven's got a lot of years in the bar industry. Uh, he's worked all over. And this is kind of a special episode because it's going to be a two-parter. We had a night with Steven. We started early, ended late, and got a ton of stories that we want to share with you. We also behaved. I mean, you say it's a night, but it, it's not like episode three, which is, I think, going to go down in history. <laughs> in, bar ba- in the buyback history. Yeah, well, one of us was drinking straight gin for a bit, and that didn't go great. So, Steven, how are you? I don't even know if he says, I'm good, but we'll find something. So, Steven, what's hanging? So, Steven, you look good. Alright, guys, tonight we are sitting with uh, our good friend, Steven Bishop Celia. <laughs> our good friend, let me, let me edit that. Mayoral write-in candidate. Stephen of New York City. Right. Stephen Bishop Seeley. And you know why why I'm a write-in, right? Because everyone already knows you? No. Because um, I tried to... uh, I tried to be on... Get on the ballot. But there's this thing called the pandemic. And uh, because I have underlying conditions, the... uh, We had to get 7,500 signatures. In person. Right. Not during, online. During a pandemic. During a pandemic. Okay. That makes sense, probably. So Governor Cuomo said, no, don't do it, right? Just get 2,500. <laughs> and you have, a, you have a three-week window to get those. And guess what? It's in, it's in February. And, and not only do you have a three-week period to get it, they challenge you. The other candidates challenge you and say, all those names that you got on your, um, uh, your signatures are fake. So they have to verify every single signature, and if one is off, you're, you're off the ballot. Even just one? Yeah. You have to have 2,000. So so he made, a, he made the law 2,500. So 2,500, I have an underlying condition. I'm not going to meet 2,500 people in person with During a pen. During a pandemic. A pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So I sued him. Okay. I sued the governor and I sued the mayor. Are you looking at women while I am sitting at your table? <laughs> Stephen's calling out John for looking at women during the podcast. There's no proof. It wasn't recorded. Really? I'm going to say he was doing it. Really? There's what color the- are my eyes? Oh, they're blue, Stephen. You have the bluest eyes I've ever seen. And most people, we've, we've worked together, you have stunning eyes, all right? I don't think you've really seen my eyes. Because you were looking above. Usually look at your butt. You're looking above and beyond me. Beyond, I don't know what's back there because I'm, I'm in the moment. That's what you learn in acting school, to be in the moment. I can't believe you. All right, so here we go. What's your biggest customer pet peeve? 
or in water. So like when that is the worst thing you can do as a customer is if is to order water from a bartender. Not only order water and a drink, or just order water by itself, or just get a drink, come back, and then interrupt the bartender and ask for a water. Bad. Evil. We hate you. I don't give it to you. Is there an appropriate time to ask for water? Yeah, when you're at home throwing up. It's the worst thing because somebody came out with a New York Times article years ago saying, make sure you're hydrated when you go out and drinking and you're really cool and you won't get so drunk. Bullshit. There's ice in the drink. That hydrates you. Ice turns to water. There's your water. Go fucking take your drink. Get out of my face. <laughs> you're the second person who, who said this. It's, and I... It's, it's, a, it's especially when it's busy. If you're going to order water because you're... Bring a water bottle, or, or, or stop at Seven Eleven. There's many around the city. Or sit at a table because the waitresses will probably automatically fill your glass right. with water. Waitresses and I, I understand, like you're, you know, you're, you're maybe, maybe you shouldn't be drinking that night. Maybe you should put a, a temperature limit on your iPhone that when it hits 80 degrees and above, you don't drink alcohol because you know that you're going to order water. So we're sitting at a table right now and. I'm they drinking water. Put, they put water in front of us. We <laughs> drinking water. It. So if you want water, here's your move. Sit at a table. Exactly. You'll probably get water. Don't come to the bar and order water. I agree with that. And the worst thing is then, about that, I stop earning my money when I serve you your water, yep. and then you don't tip. If you order water, tip on the tip it's on a drink. The water. Tip on the water. It's a drink. Oh, a great rule. So uh, how much would you tip, how much would you expect for a tip for water? A ten dollar. Ten dollars would be fine. For one dollar. For one dollar. Okay, cool. Water. So we we tip one dollar on PBRs, Alex. And, and we ten dollars on okay, water. Cool. Okay, that's right. No, just because it's especially if it's busy. If it's not busy, then I don't. Yeah. I really don't care. But if it's yeah. if if I'm busy and I'm making my money, I'm making my money that pays my rent, that feeds my babies, that I don't know who they are, because I just get these weird cards during Father's Day, I don't know from strangers. I have to send money to somebody, but listen, I, this money, you're, being, you're taking money out of my children's mouth, their food, right? So, tip. Yes, okay, cool, I love that. Now, yeah. now okay, now let's talk about tipping real quick. If you own a bar, don't be a cheap ass and pay and, and not pay your staff where they have to rely everything on tips. Well, that's, I mean, that is that is so regional, that is so, yeah. that is city, that is... Yeah, I, so you, you probably know this better than anybody. The $15 minimum wage in New York City, does it also apply to bartenders now? Like, do they have, are they paid $15? No, so what happens is, um, this is what happens. People, okay, all right, all right. People own bars because there's a lot of um, neat accounting things you can do, tax things that you can do. Um, originally, yeah, it wasn't $15, and so what would happen is you would re, you would um, be required to claim your tips at the end of your shift. Right, right. At the end of the week, if your tips reached a certain point, then you wouldn't be paid the opposite end. But what happens is. If your tips didn't reach that certain point, then they, then, 
they're supposed to pay you out, yeah. but they don't. They don't. No, I know. Because yeah. they adjust the taxes yeah. 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 based on the income that you have that week. So even though we went up to fifteen dollars an hour, it it just it, it's the same business as usual. Same it thing. Change. Although yeah. I I do have to say that I I did work for certain bosses who gave me a shift pay that was that was not taxable. And it was it was above and beyond the tips that we received, and that shift pay was so great. Yeah. That, and and the, the last couple of jobs that I remember, they they figured out the numbers where they don't have to pay you because they can take it away for taxes and unemployment and social security, and so you get a void check. And then if you get a one void check, then you're going to get several void checks because you're you're sort of running in the negative. But you're not really running in the negative because it's a it's it's such a mess. So it doesn't help people in hospitality. The shift pay is cool the day of. It's not yeah. cool later. I love well, I don't care unless when I talk yeah. about Yeah. Well, no, it could be. Yes. But it's just nice to have money uh, for when you're working. Because it's nice, it's, it's nice to, my favorite part about, there are certain ways that people pay you, you know, like sometimes you write a check at the end of the week. I love walking with cash. Right. It's my part. Yeah, and, and I, think that's, I think that's really important in New York City, because a lot of people don't understand that. There are certain bars where a percentage of your tips goes to the sommelier, or it goes to the manager that night, because the manager can't work on tips. But actually has a lower, um, a lower salary than you do if you know if you take all your cash, tip cash, tip cash. Always. Yeah, yeah. But now you can't tip cash because it has COVID on it. You get, you know, you need to. You you don't, wait, you don't, if you're vaccinated, you don't, though. So, well, I, if I you're run, vaccinated and the bartender's vaccinated, if everybody's vaccinated. Right, run, and it's New York City. Do you trust everyone? Like seventy percent. Really? So you you would you would fuck a woman without a condom? Because you don't know if she has STDs or not? You make a valid point. <laughs> it's a valid point. You make a valid point. I'm running my dollar bills through my sinks, though. Yeah. All right. Cool. No, it's, it's, it's important because uh, it's, that's what keeps me up at night. So, Stephen, what is your um, most memorable store? What are... We're going to try this again. <laughs> this is why we edit he, he's not drunk enough for this podcast yet. If you, if, yeah, if you just fast forward about 30 minutes. <laughs> It'll be perfect. The, the questions flow better. The questions flow better after a few drinks. But anyway, what are some of your most memorable stories? So you didn't ask me, uh, which I think is kind of important. I think it's on the, later on the list, how long I've been bartending. Okay, do you want to do that first? Let's do bar history. No, Tell not bar history. Just how long I've been bartending. How long have you been bartending? Um, what year were you born? Because you asked everybody else. I know. That's you were born in 89? Yeah. The first time I bartended, and I swear to God, it was 1992. It was the Olive Garden. I wasn't the official bartender. The bartender didn't show up to work. 29 years. Yeah. yeah Ladies and gentlemen, I want to reintroduce 29-year veteran. Mayoral right-in candidate, Stephen Bishop Sealy. And this is what's crazy. Bartending has always been my side hustle. I mean, it really has. I, it's not, it's not, and it could be a side hustle, it could be your career. It's fine. It's a great career. You meet a lot of wonderful people and you do a lot of wonderful, crazy, shitty, stupid, amazing things. But 
I, I'm, I'm sort of blessed because it was sort of my side hustle and, it, and it's, it's an incredible, I have an incredible, I'm writing my memoir and I'm trying to get it done before I turn 50 and um, it will be available this spring of 2023 on Amazon for pre-order. Okay? Now, my friends all have to pay for it, and it's very expensive. Do I get a signature? Uh, yes, because you'll be in it. Oh, yeah. Okay. In 1992, I, I, I did bartend, okay? But I wasn't supposed to be... But in, in Shawnee Mission, Kansas, which is basically Kansas City, Kansas, but you don't want to say Shawnee Mission is Kansas City, Kansas, because Kansas City, Kansas is the hood, okay? So you don't want to say that. So Shawnee Mission is, uh, is, a, is an upscale... Um, sort of town of the Kansas City area, With right? With its local Olive Garden, yeah. Right, but remember, in 1992, Olive Garden was the bomb. Okay. People... I was three. Oh, okay, well, so let me explain. Let me explain, okay? Like, Italian food was ragu and, and Chef Boyardee, all right? Up till the Olive Garden. Once the Olive Garden opened, you could never get a seat. It was packed all the time and people would take their dates there before prom before um, homecoming I mean it's like crazy to think now but at that time the Olive Garden was like like premier cuisine and free breadsticks how long have free breadsticks been oh the, the, the whole time yeah uh, but you're only allowed <laughs> to give um, <laughs> there's breadstick rules that the waiter has <laughs> And if you get caught breaking a breadstick roll, you get written up. I love this. This is so good. No, it's true. It's true. So I believe that you're only supposed to get give everybody at the table one round of breadsticks, right? And then one extra breadstick. So if there's five people at the table, you give them six breadsticks. But you can only put four in a basket, so you have to give them three and three. Okay. Now, you say that you will. I, I want lots of breadsticks. I want to. I want to like. I want to pile them up on mine. Can't do that because what happens is you pile up all the breadsticks on your table, and then you get full after the salad, and then you take all the breadsticks home. That's not fair. That's not equitable. That's not fair. So you have to be rationed the best. <laughs> So the secret behind Olive Garden is they ration your breadsticks. Oh breadstick. my god, and I don't know if that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the rule is even tighter today because all that stuff is expensive, right? I mean, hey, Olive Garden, if you want this this secret information <laughs> removed, we'll take a sponsorship. Yeah, a sponsorship. Wait. They're so, owned by um, the same people who own Red Lobster. Oh. So that's why you can always order fish or or shrimp at, at Olive Garden and it'd be really amazing. But I wouldn't order a red lobster, just the cheese biscuits. Yes. Uh, wait, you started bartending at Olive Garden? <laughs> You're trying to get us back on track. I'm trying. I'm trying to see. Yeah, no, no. Back. Okay, so, so I was at, so you started but, serving. But I was a bartender because the bartender didn't show up. Okay. All right. So we're at Olive Garden, circa 1993. 92. 1992. And the reason why okay. is because I needed to learn how to wait tables because I was going to go into performing. <laughs> and I I hadn't been to New York City yet. I hadn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to take a tray of drinks, and I would practice at home, and it would fall. And I thought, okay, when I am of age, 
I'm going to work at a restaurant. And the restaurant to work at where I lived at that moment in time, which was the bomb, was the Olive Garden. And not only did I work there, I was their best employee, right? They loved me. So I would go off to school and I would come back for the summer and I would have a, I would have a radio um, internship and I would, I, would do a, I would do a musical or two or three in the summer. And then when we're young, we do everything, right? We're like, it's crazy. And then I would work at Olive Garden between all of that. I never slept. I never slept when I was young. So, but they loved me because I was, I was, I always showed up. And when a bartender doesn't show up, somebody has to work, right? So I just sat behind the bar, didn't really serve drinks. I hated it because I was restricted in a very small space and I felt like, oh my God, I'm never gonna, I never wanna be a bartender. So I never bartended again at the Olive Garden. So then I went to grad school and um, it's a, a long, complicated story, but I moved to Austin, Texas to go to the University of Texas in Austin for the graduate program of acting for actors, right? I had a place down there that I had um, guaranteed over the phone that I had put and sent money to. It didn't exist when I moved there. So it's like catfishing before. It was the worst, yeah. and that was that was before the internet, right? So the internet like was still kind of new. We didn't have Craigslist at that time, so this was just all through like penny, um, penny, uh, uh, penny papers, yeah, penny pages, yeah, penny white pages or whatever. And so I would get like them sent to me, and then I would go through and call these numbers. And so, are you still cruising, women? No, I'm thinking about what they're called. Penny, save, penny savers. Penny, penny savers. Thank you. That's driving me nuts. He's still cruising, women. Whatever. I'm not. It's okay. It's okay. So I, so I, I lived in my car overnight, and I'm in my car, and it's a 200 degrees outside because Austin, Texas has two suns. <laughs> we are on Tatooine. Right. And you're just and so I slept in my car that night, but I really didn't sleep because I was sweating. I lost about 400 pounds, and the next day, I thought, you know what? I gotta get a job and I have to get an apartment. I got an apartment uh, that evening, and then the next day I got a job. And guess what it was? Bartending. Bartending. Yeah. What was the place? It was called Katz's, inspired by Katz's here, but it was in Austin, Texas. A Jewish deli in Austin, Texas. Yes. With a bar. With a bar. It was 24 hours. Katz's never closes. The bar was open 24 hours? Like, no. It was open and then it, it would close um, from 4 a.m. to I think 10, 11. Oh, okay. Okay. For the lunch period, they would be open. So that's how I learned to bartend was at Kansas. And then I, um, you have a Christmas break. I had a stalker. So I went home to Kansas. You had a stalker? Yeah, I've had nine stalkers in my entire life. But that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> okay. I had a stalker who traveled. So Austin, Texas is a very large geographical area. It's larger than, I would say, even New York. So Austin, it, it takes a long time to get from one side to the other, okay? Basically. Let me, let's bring it back. We're in Texas. You had a stalker. You left Texas. So I went, yeah. So I went home for Christmas break. But I ran up. So I went. I went home for Christmas break, right? I, um, and then I, um, I had to come back and get a job 
because I ran out of money. So anyway, I went back to Texas and guess what? They have a volleyball bar. A volleyball bar? Okay. Yeah, so it's called Aussies. And it's a volleyball bar and they have sand volleyball in the bar. Right, and, and they have huge, huge tournaments. Oh, so and cool. they have teams uh, every that play every single night. So it's like a darts league, but for volleyball. Right, it's okay. like a bowling alley, but it's it's volleyball, and they do they do doubles, they do teams, they do, and everybody plays volleyball. I would like to confirm that Aussies volleyball and grill is still open. Is it? In, on Barton Springs yes. Road. Yes, yes, Let's go. It's amazing. The owner's amazing, and guess what? I bartended, <laughs> and I made so much freaking money, and. And this is what's so great. I didn't. Really, I told them that I had to leave for school because I'm an actor, and I was gonna go. To, and so they hired me for the summer. They hired me for the summer when I got fired by Six Flags in San Antonio. <laughs> I'm literally saving this. This is yeah. This is the best. So that's where I bartended. That's where I learned how to bartend. And I'm talking Austin, Texas is so hot. It is so physically hot that when you are bartending in a in an indoor outdoor bar I can't tell you how much I I mean I sweat anyway but it was it's so hot in the summer in Austin Texas it's unbearable two suns like the twilight like the twilight zone episode that inspired you know, that was inspired by Austin Texas it's crazy but I'm from Kansas we have four seasons and it cools off at night but when it's 12 o'clock and it's 110 degrees? Well, it's a dry heat. No, it's not a dry heat. You can't breathe. <laughs> so, Austin, Texas. So, 19, so we're up to 1997. I'm still bartending. And then I decide I'm going to quit grad school in Texas. Because it's too hot. It's too hot, <laughs> and I really don't like anybody else. Um, because my roommate, who ends up being a superstar, that was a, that's a, in, anyway. right, we're in 1997. So, 97, so I moved to, to East Lansing, Michigan. <laughs> we're not in New York City yet. I no. want someone to listen, if you're an avid listener, I want someone to do an Indiana Jones style map. Yes. Like, da 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 da. Like, hopping. The planes jumping. So, from Kansas City to Austin, so, to Kansas City to Austin to Michigan. So, East Lansing, Michigan, I, I did not bartend, but I drank more than any other. Citizen in the, in, in, in the state of Michigan or at Michigan State University. It was the only way to get through grad school. And I'm not kidding. I'm not. I'm not talking about just a little bit of drinking. I'm talking about starting early, going to class, coming back, finishing, going to class, coming back, drinking more, going to rehearsal, maybe performing a show, and then coming back, passing out, and starting again. And I got through grad school that way. Swear to God. Anyway, so, but this is the best part. Okay. Wisconsin is right next to Michigan. There's a there's a state lake, but not in the Upper Peninsula. It's it's basically joined. They're 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 neighbors. So Wisconsin is the home of the Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey's Ringling Brothers Circus, right? So Ringling Brothers are from Baraboo, Wisconsin. In Baraboo, Wisconsin, they have the Circus World Museum. And every summer, 
They put up a huge ass tent and they perform a circus. Well, they need a ringmaster, but not just a ringmaster because a ringmaster is like, it's kind of lame. They need a singing ringmaster. So you go to this huge audition in Chicago. No. I get called back by everybody. I get called back by every summer theater, by like dinner theater, like by some professional things. And and I turn and I get called back by, by the circus. And I turn them all down because I'm going to go to New York for the summer and study at, you know, like um, at um, Strasbourg or, or the neighborhood playhouse. You know, I'm, I'm going to be this really method actor, right? So I turn them all down. I'm not going to work in the summer. I'm going to New York and spending all my money that I have that I just spent, you know, and spending everything. The circus calls me again. And they say, they say, well, increase your pay. We found some money and we'll increase your pay by $300 a week. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what? So, I was like, I, I got to get back to you by the end of the week. So I, I talked to my parents and they're like, are you drunk? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. And, and, and yeah, like in two hours I will be. But, um, and then I talked to my acting teacher who is very famous herself. She taught Marilyn Monroe how to smile. And she uh, and John, Johnny Carson asked her to marry him three different times, and she turned him down each time because he was always on. Anyway, um, that was. <laughs> and so, so this is what's so great. All right, so, um, I I end up saying yes to the circus and no to New York City and all my acting because I. I figured, you know what? No one's going to have the ringmaster on their resume in New York City. Singing ringmaster for a circus. It was the for best. The ringmaster. You're right. Well, well, Ladies which they gentlemen, called... I would like to introduce a <laughs> tw- uh, 29 year veteran bartender, mayoral right candidate, and singing. Ringmaster. Ringmaster of the Ringling Brothers Circus, Stephen Bishop ceiling number six. That's right, because my birthday's a six. So so this is it. So alright, so I'm I'm singing in the circus the best decision I've ever made in my life. It was it was so much better and more amazing than anything I have ever done in my life. I've never reached the pinnacle that was the highlight that was the climax of my life I haven't had sex that good to compare to my time in the circus if you've had Steven sex with Steven Bishop Celia please call in at all please call in and uh, let us know I'm sorry but like you know when you when you when you climax too soon it's it's what do you do with the rest of your life? You moved to New York City and bartend? Yes! Okay. Are we, are we, are we, are we, are we Not yet. <laughs> so that was the summer of 90, so that was the summer of 98. No, yes, that was the summer of 98. And so I graduated in 99. Okay? I decided the circus wants me back. We're 10. <laughs> the circus works, wants me back, so I work again that summer for the circus. But this is the best part. This is what's so fucking... Fucking crazy! You can say, you can say yeah, 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 I love that. I love that. I I'm not gonna be buying twenty five hundred dollars for every time. Because um, at the end of um, that summer, 
Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus, the big circus, right? This is not the Circus Royal Museum, this is the big circus, flies me in to New York City in September. I was amazing. I was so good. I was so good that it, 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 it flittered through the circus community very quickly that my audition was amazing and it had gotten back to Baraboo, Wisconsin where I had to go back to and finish the circus so that I could go home so I could move to New York City. A lot of things don't really um, go the way in life that you think they, they, they're going to go. Many things in my life don't go anywhere that I think they're going to go. So I thought, because I was so amazing at the audition for the circus ringmaster, that I was going to get it. That weekend came and went, and I never got a phone call. And come to find out, the Phantom of the Opera, from Phantom of the Opera via Broadway, got the ringmaster job. He'd never been a ringmaster. He never worked around elephants. He didn't know what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> so guess what? I moved here with three boxes and $500 in my pocket. I had to get a job. <laughs> so my first job in New York City was the day after they did not call me for the circus. I got drunk at the, the monster in the West Village which is a gay bar. And, <laughs> and they loved me so much, they're like, well, you should work here. I'm like, I'm an actor. I don't work at bars. I'm going to be picked up by somebody tomorrow at the audition. I don't know. Who knows? And then I, I got drunk, and then I started getting doubts, self-doubts, which is the worst thing to get in the world, right, when you're drunk. And I thought, well, maybe I should just pick up, an pick up the application and fill it out. I filled out the application drunk, I turned it in at maybe four in the morning to the doorman, right? They called me that next they called me the next morning to see the day manager. I go and see the day manager, and this is what's crazy. This is what makes the world turn around. He goes, Where are you from? I said, I'm from Kansas. I'm from a small town in Kansas. I said, Where in Kansas? I said, um, Oh, you've never heard of it. And he said, Oh, just try me. This is the manager at the, the mushroom. I said, it's a small town. It's called Tonganoxy. It's got 2,500 people. And he's like, do you know Barbara Kramer? And I said, oh my God, do I know Barbara Kramer? She's the one. She works at the bank. The only bank. There's two banks in Tonganoxy, but there's only really one bank. And so everybody goes to that bank. She's the one who gave me the $500 to come to New York City in my pocket. Barbara Kramer. Of course I know her. And he goes... I dated his, I dated her son for 15 years, and my jaw dropped. Her son's gay? Of course he's gay! <laughs> and I got the job at the Monster. The Monster, this is no longer a bar. Yeah, it's, it's the bar, yeah, the Monster. It's called The Monster? Yes, in the West, in Village. The West Village. It's very famous. It's by, um, it was by Joe, um, it's owned by Joe Shallow, and, and he, he passed away. Um, I went, uh, but he was, he was amazing. He was amazing. And he had an 11, he had, the, 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 the rumor is, and half of it's true and half of it's not, he had a bar also on um, Fire Island. 
he had an 11 inch penis and people used to call it the monster so he named the bar which, which wasn't really a bar it was a restaurant in the 80s but it was two floors there's a piano bar on the top and there's a disco in the in the basement and and so after he found out that during the during the AIDS um, epidemic that people really wanted to dance and, and, and find community so he would clear out all the dinner tables for the evening and and do a disco downstairs which was really smart and then he found out that it was so successful that he just got rid of the restaurant and he just had the bar and so it's still there it's still amazing yes well it's on Christopher Street right it's right across the street from um, Stonewall and so it's kind of cool to have um, to work in a neighborhood that's sort of you know historically gay for just so many reasons um, and to it was my first job in New York City this was the big this is the big story I, I waited but I worked um, at one of the only male hustler bars in New York City I gotta educate me sure um, a male hustler is like a prostitute okay so it was a bar that also was like a prostitute shit house right but they were male hustlers as opposed to female hookers okay alright it was the bar themselves didn't get a cut off of anybody's okay. arrangement because that was just that was their arrangement but it was known Stella's Stella yeah. and it was amazing it almost equaled the circus <laughs> It was amazing. Yeah. And I worked there for six years. And then I moved to, um, uh, I, I lived part-time in Asbury Park, and then I worked at a gay bar in Asbury Park that was very famous, uh, called um, Cruisin'. And then I came back, and I worked at the Hot Devil. So then, what happened? I was out of work from January to April. I went to an open call at the Blind Pig that I'd never been to before. I'd never seen a sport in my life. I replaced somebody who was there for a very long time who was their main bartender. But the problem is that he would drink Tullamadu an entire bottle a night. Oh, Jesus. They would have Tullamadu, um, they would have boxes and boxes of Tullamadu when I got hired. Because he, he, got a, he got a bottle every single night he worked. They didn't want to fire him because he brought in so many people. They fired him. They brought me in and Richie Walsh, who was 50 years old behind the bar. And I said, I'm never going to be a 50 year old bartender like you. He said, I give you a week. I said, you give me a week. He's like, I give you a week. It's, it's, it's really tough to work here. You're not, you're not going to make it. And he's like, I would, and he said this, he said, I would make I would I would send out your resume again and make sure that you're you're doing the um, the, uh, the the drop bys or drop off your resumes drop offs and I'm like wait so I don't have the job and he was a manager right at his 55th birthday in Yonkers guess you got an invite <laughs> and he's he's a, he's a really good guy and he didn't think I was gonna make it because I was from theater. I was obviously gay. I had gay bars all down my resume. And they hired me anyway. 
the first day is, is, is a memorable event in my history of bartending. The first day, um, one of my customers <laughs> was dressed. <laughs> <laughs> she was taken out on a stretcher. <laughs> funny. On my first day at the Blind Pig, working by myself. Why? What happened? So, they put me on a Monday day, right, to test me out. And what happens? They're having an owner's meeting in table nine. Okay. It's busy on a Monday. You're, you're answering lots of phone calls, right, during the day, and there's maybe a random customer, but it was actually busy. It was a nice day outside. It was um, April, May, right? This woman comes in. I did not see the medical bracelet from Bellevue that she had on her wrist. And she goes, hey, cutie, hey, sexy. And I'm like, I'm like and, and I have to be congenial because it's my first day, right? Like, how can I help you? And she's like, uh, do, you have, do, you have, do you have Pinot Grigio? I'm like, yes. It's going to be $10 or $7 or whatever it was. It was happy hour, so it was like $5. She pays me $5. She chugs it. She wants another one. I, I swear to God, I didn't, see the, I didn't see the medical bracelet, right? So I give her another one. She doesn't pay me this time. She chugs it. And I turn around, and I do have, I have like 10 people, 11 people at the bar. And I hear, like that. Oh, sorry. That was the microphone. Um, I turn around, and we all turn around because it, it was noticeable. She face-planted herself um, on the bar, and she passed out. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so, it, that's, that's, not the, that's not the best part. The best part is, she wakes up. <laughs> she licks every single customer on the face at the bar as she's going down licking people, right? She's going towards the bathroom, right? So you think she's gonna make it to the bathroom. She doesn't because she sees Gareth and Sean and the silent partner and uh, then the other, uh, John. So Sean, John, the silent partner and, um, uh, and Gareth. She decides after she licks the last customer by the phone to go over to the table to see what they're doing. And she gives Gareth a lap dance. I'm not kidding. She gives Gareth a lap dance. And I'm like, so Sean jumps up and he comes over and he says, Stephen, could you please explain the situation? I said, I gave her one glass of wine. I gave her two, but they don't know. And it was actually, the second one was free because she never paid the second one. So I'm just like, I gave her one glass of wine and I don't know. I don't know what happened. She passes out on Garrett. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She's completely on top of him, and she passes out. Right? This is at around, um, I think the, I think I want to say one o'clock noon, noonish. So, um, who was the bar? Who, who was the bar back that we loved so much, and then he left uh, Ohio? Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Jesus. I love you. Jesus. Jesus was working at that day, and he. Um, because at that time they were working like during the day, half day, and then half night, and then they would go home early at the very end. And so, um, Jesus came um, and he got this woman off of Gareth. So she's she's passed out, and they don't know what to do. They decide to go through her wallet because her purse is open at the bar. She lives in Connecticut. 
So it's not like you can get, call like a taxi cab for her. Because we didn't have Uber at that time. I don't think so. And you know, we didn't have Uber. So they call the cops. But the cops are down on St. Mark's Place, my neighborhood, um, because there is a riot going on. So none of none of the cops are available to... What take, year is this? 2010. That was your first year at the bank? Yeah. Okay. So she's there for a long time. They stopped their meeting. They're concerned about her health. But they, I just said, I only gave her one drink. She supposedly had medication in her body from the Bellevue Hospital, and she was a mental patient because they did tell me that Bellevue releases the mental patients at noon of the next day if they're, if they're not needed to stay overnight again. And at noon, we're one of the only bars open on 14th Street, so they come in. I, nobody told me. I didn't know. So this is the best part. So she, they just leave her there for a couple hours. And I'm like, I'm sweating just because I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm, I'm joking at the customers like, today is my first day, and it's also my last day. <laughs> so, you know, when you tip your bartender today, just make sure he's, he's going to be okay for the next two weeks. <laughs> The best part is, the night people come on Monday, that at that time they come in at five. I guess we always came in. And so they came in and they ate, and um, they didn't know who I was. They're like, what did he do to this one? He poisoned her. And she hadn't moved for like three hours, right? So they finally get, um, the they, they called the ambulance, but the ambulance took an hour to get there because it wasn't an emergency. And so they, so the ambulance came, and right before the ambulance got there, I can't say ambulance for some reason, um, right before the ambulance got there, I hear Sean go, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And Jesus is running around, and I turn around, the entire barge is around, and it's getting busier, and the people are there from the night, you know, to work. <laughs> She urinated all over the table. <laughs> okay, pause here. We're moving to Mars. Yes. And so they drag her out in an ambulance on a stretcher. And and I thought I was fired. Barrel? Barrel. The barrel for tonight is if the bartender offers you a shot, you say yes. Simple. I mean, if they're offering it to you, they're probably not charging you for it. Uh, well, they're not charging for it. Yeah, well, I mean, and yeah, even if you don't want it, you're gonna drink it. Nice. Because that is the polite thing to do. Yeah. It's kind of like if someone offers you a foot massage, you take it. If somebody offers you a pizza, you take it. If somebody offers you sex, you take it. That wow. If the bartender offers you a free shot, you, you take, take it. it. You really gotta work on ad libbing. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for joining us for part one of Steven's interview. Um, we've broken it up into two parts, so make sure to come back uh, next, next Thursday. Week? Yeah, next, next Thursday, Thursday uh, for part two. Uh, please make sure to like and subscribe as always. The reviews help, even if it's uh, a, a mean, a mean one, you can negative mean Nancy comment. Five stars, you can write the meanest thing you get. Oh, that's, that's a scary thing to say. <laughs> I'm so excited. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed The Buyback, follow us on Twitter at The Buyback, on Instagram at The Buyback Podcast, or email us at thebuybackpodcast at gmail.com.
We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. And if you are a bartender or know a bartender who should be on the podcast, let us know. Please like and subscribe. And I think that if you write a review, it will actually help boost us as well. So anything you can do uh, to support us would be awesome. Tell your friends. Remember to be nice and tip your bartenders well, and we'll see you next time.